زمین اسمان کے خالق مالک تیرا شکر دا کرتے اس پیارے موقع کے لیے جو تنہیں مانے زمین میں بخش دیا تیرا شکر دا کرتے ہیں اخدا دا اس صبح کے لیے اخدا ہم دا کہ تنہیں ہماری زمین میں بخشا کہ نہیں صبح دیکھ سکے ہیں اخدا ہم دا اخدا تیرا شکر دا کرتے ہیں ان بچوں کے لیے اخدا ہم دا Today in Pakistan, we Christians are second-class citizens. Though we have committed no crime, we are ostracized and banished to the lowest place in society. Often we are forced to leave our villages and our own homes. We cannot get good jobs. And we have no voice in government. What is left for us is servitude. Sewage work. And we know we will never advance. But we have a church, a place where Christians come together to worship the Lord Jesus Christ, to sing His praise, to study His word. For while our country has turned its back on us, God has not. Sometimes it is not easy. The loss, the injustice. So please remember to pray for us. That we will continue to live together in fellowship. That we will continue to see the joy of the Lord in our lives and that we will persevere in our faith no matter the cost. And please remember, we are praying for you.
Good morning. Welcome. Now, how often do we take for granted that we can come together and worship the Lord? We don't, we don't face the persecution that the church faces in other parts of the world, do we? What a blessing it is to be able to come together and, and worship together, to open his word together, to focus our hearts and minds on him. Man, we don't ever want to take that for granted. Amen. Let's pray for our brothers and sisters around the world. Father, we lift up those, the persecuted church that are in hiding even right now. That are fearing for their lives because they own a Bible. But they, they risk their lives, they risk their families' lives to gather together in the wee hours of the morning and hiding in dark places. Father, we thank you for the courage that you've given them, that your spirit's alive and active in them, and, and God, they are worshiping you. Father, help us to not take this for granted, to not take your word for granted, or the honor that it is to be able to come into your presence together, freely, openly. Well, Lord, use this time that we have together as we open your word to change us and to grow us. God, that you would make us the people that you've called us to be. We give you this time. God, use me. Use me as your servant in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, my name is Matt. I'm the lead pastor here at Mission View Church. Um, I don't lead worship every weekend, but our worship leader is at a wedding this weekend. And then one of our other worship leaders is at our youth retreat, leading the youth retreat. So I'm doing double duty today. And, um, uh, but I love to lead worship. Man, I, I love to be able to sing songs to the Lord. One of the reasons behind that is uh, the music part of it is the rhythms that we play and the melodies that are sung bring us together. And, and we are singing these songs um, mostly in pitch <laughs> and together, unified in melody, unified in rhythm. And, and then we talk and sing about what God's, who God is, what he's done, and, and his love for us, our love for him. And it's just, it's a really neat, music is a really neat tool that God has given us to unify us and draw us to him. So I love to lead worship. I love to worship. But we're in a sermon series right now in the book of 1 John. So if you have your Bibles, go to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. Uh, this sermon series is called The Father's Heart. And really what we get out of the book of 1 John is this amazing picture of who God is and who God sees us as. Really, there's, a, there's an overarching theme of God's love, but also who we are in him. Some really, really cool stuff that we see in 1 John. Last week, we talked about, I said uh, during the worship set, that big word propitiation, what it means, and, and how uh, what Christ did on the cross, and as we put our faith in the work of Jesus Christ, that his grace just covers us, and, and God's view from us goes from wrath to that of, of just this amazing view of how he sees us through the blood of his son. That when he looks at my life, he, he actually doesn't see my life. He sees the perfect life of Jesus Christ. And it's just this amazing exchange. Propitiation is a word for that amazing exchange that happens. So um, this week, we're going to move forward just a little bit in chapter 2 of 1 John. We're going to be looking at just a few short verses, 15 through 17. 
So if you if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there, and we'll talk through that in just a minute. Now, he's going to be talking about things here and giving us kind of a, a clear warning. And he's, he says, look out for the things of this world. Don't love the world or the things in the world. So, so what are some of those things? I mean, I think really what he's getting at is kind of idolatry. And, and that's really talking about how good things can become God things in our lives. God things, little g, that's not good. When, when good things like, um, like cheesecake, cheesecake's a good thing, right? But sitting down and eating an entire cheesecake is not a good thing. Cheesecake, good. Whole cheesecake at once, not bad. Exercise, exercise is a good thing. But not eating for a week and then running seven miles, that is not good. We can take almost any of God's great, amazing gifts and make it a God thing, little g, God thing, or an idol in our lives. We can get to the point where we feel like we can't live without this. I can't live without this. That's kind of a little warning flag if you're like, man, I can't, leave with, can't live without Pav's ice cream in the evenings. Man, I got to head down there and get that banana bowl. I've been there, done that. It's good ice cream, people. And here's the other thing, too. Is we live in an exciting time in history. We have been on a technological boom for more than a century. We have things today that, that we couldn't even have dreamt of. They wouldn't even have dreamt up from 1950. I love watching movies in 3D, texting my wife, no matter how far apart we are. I remember when I was transitioning here from Greenville, there was a six-week transition. So I spent a lot of time away from my wife. I was a basket case. And we, in the mornings, we go out for jogs together. And we have these, these amazing little watches called Apple Watch. And, and I would call my wife in the morning at the time we would go to run. And we would talk to each other on our Apple Watches as we jogged. Her in Greenville and me in North Canton. It was crazy. These, technolo these technological things that we have that you couldn't even have dreamed about. We have microwaves, television, the internet, lazy boys, all these crazy things. Make it so that we can enjoy so many things with, with never even leaving our home. But if we do want to leave our home, we can jump onto a flight anywhere. I mean, we can be watching TV one night and see the Caribbean. And there we go. We can be there tomorrow jumping on a flight. Technology is amazing. We can see a photo, be there within a couple hours. I love my cell phone. I love my cell phone. I have my entire library on my cell phone. I can look up books that I've read that have really changed my life. One that books that, that inspire me to study God's word and, and share his word with you. One of those books that I'm going to be talking and, and referencing today is called Worldliness by a guy named C.J. Mahaney. And I can, I can open it right here and, and look at it and, and read it right on my phone. We have all these amazing things that can become God things in our life. Anybody heard of a guy named Demas? the famous man in the scripture or not so famous guy in scripture. I'm going to read for you from this C.J. Mahaney book. As a close friend and traveling companion of the apostle Paul, Demas participated in spreading the gospel and strengthening the fledgling church throughout the Roman empire. He left home and family to hit the long, dusty and dangerous road with the itinerant apostle. 
He stood by Paul, likely at great personal risk when the apostle landed in prison for a time. We read of him sending greetings to churches and, and being alongside of Paul during all of that terrible persecution that was going on. Demas was one of the good guys. Demas was the guy who, who left his family, left home, went on the road. Probably put his family at risk while he did that. Demas was one of the good guys. But you don't hear about him today. You know why? Because Paul writes a short little sentence about him that says, I am all alone. Demas, falling in love with this world, has left me and gone to Thessalonica. That's what we know about Demas. Demas, the deserter, had fallen in love with this world and left Paul. So here in 1 John, we get this, this strong, loving warning as we read verses 15 through 17. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. The first filling in your notes today is this. Do not love the world or the things in the world. Do not love the world or the things in the world. We know that he's not talking about the people in the world because God loves people. Jesus came for people. He's talking about other things. He actually lists it out here. Let's list it out here. Desires or lust of the flesh. This could be things like ease of life, laziness, or when those things get encroached upon by people near us, we get frustrated or angry. This could be food resulting in gluttony or eating disorders. Maybe we just want an escape from reality or responsibility and procrastination comes in or slothfulness. Maybe it's pleasure. And we have addiction and other things. Then he talks about the desires or lust of the eyes. Many of the desires of the flesh begin with our eyes. We can mentally consume something. This is why we have commercials on TV and billboards along the side of the highway. 30 minutes of previews before we actually get to see the movie we want to see. This is where covetousness begins. Wanting what others have or keeping up with the Joneses, that, that big house or that fancy car. Then we have the pride of life or possessions. Getting wrapped up in the security blanket of our possessions. Or maybe this, finding our, our self-worth in our job or the things that we own. Having things and believing we have them because we deserve them is what he's alluding to. That we actually deserve them, not because God is good and gracious and merciful and loves us and blesses us with these things. But that thought in our mind that pops in, I deserve this, I worked hard for this one. This is a, a life void of gratitude. 
It's all about what we've done, what we can do, what we can accomplish in and of our own strength. Winning the lottery or thinking about it. You guys remember just here recently when the lottery was up to like 1.6 billion or something crazy like that? Everybody was talking about it. It was everywhere. People had it right at the front of their minds, consumed. Oh, what I would do with $1.6 billion. So how do we deal with these things? How do, we, how do we work through this? How do we determine how to live in the world but not be of the world? We, we find some great help in the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians. And I want to pull out two things real quick here that kind of speak into 1 John and, and what John's talking about. In 1 Corinthians 6, 12, it says this, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Dominated. Keep that, that word in your mind. I will not be dominated by anything. Now, Paul, as he's writing this to the church in Corinth, he repeats himself later on in, in 1 Corinthians 10, 23. He says, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Not all things build up. So he says, I'm not going to be dominated by anything. And not all things build up. I'm not going to do things or think upon things or dwell on things that aren't building up. Aren't building up. He goes on in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 24. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the ground of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If one of the believers invites you to dinner and you are disposed to go eat, eat whatever is set before you without raising qu any question on the ground of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it for the sake of the one who informed you and for the sake of conscience. I do not mean your conscience, but his. For why should my liberty be determined by someone else's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of that for which I give thanks? So here's, here's the key of this 1 Corinthians text. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all things to the glory of God. So as, as we're working our way through our text today here in 1 John, does it give glory to God? Am I being mastered by it? Does it build up? Does it build up? You know that book I was talking about from C.J. Mahaney? It's called Worldliness. And this is, it's a powerful, powerful read. A lot of scripture in there. There's another book by Jerry Bridges along the same, same lines called um, um, The Pursuit of Holiness. And, and really what it comes down to as he's giving us these warnings, as John's giving us these warnings, he's addressing this this desire in us to, to see kind of how far we can take the line. You see, all of us deal with sin. All of us struggle with sin and have um, the old man still in us. And that old man has this tendency, this leaning towards what can I get away with? You know, it's like, Going to PG movies as I grow up, as we get older, like, okay, maybe I can go see a PG-13 movie, right? 
then it's like, maybe I should, maybe I should be able to go see an R-rated movie. What, what can I get away with? What, is it really building me up? I, well, I'm not really considering it. I just want to see how far I can go or what I can get away with and still be considered a good Christian. All of us have had those thoughts, me included. It may not be that direct of a thought, what can I get away with? But underneath the things that I'm thinking, underneath the things that I'm doing, sometimes that's back there. I would say this isn't just a warning against loving the world. It's a, it's a warning to remind us to pursue holiness. God knows what we're dealing with. God knows the struggles. This is one of the coolest things about Jesus coming to earth and putting on flesh and becoming man, that God became man and the, the man Jesus Christ, the God-man Jesus Christ. You see, God knows. He knows the struggles of this world, the temptations of this world. Jesus was tempted. In fact, he was tempted directly by Satan. God knows it's a struggle for us that there's things out there that we're bombarded each and every day by, by things that, that, that are good things that God created. You know why? Because God loves us. And he wants us to have joy in this life. I truly believe God created cheesecake. <laughs> right? He created good things for us to enjoy. This is the cool thing. You, you see, the pursuit of happiness isn't God trying to to take the joy out of your life. The pursuit of happiness is God showing you true joy, real lasting joy. And, and when we are in him, when we find our joy and, and lasting happiness in the person of Jesus Christ, out of that, we can, we can truly enjoy the created things. You see, real joy is found in the creator. And when you find true joy in the creator, the created things are in the rightful place and we can actually enjoy them rightfully. Are you following me? Uh-oh. Are you following me, church? Okay, good, good. I think, I think that's, that's, what, that's what John's getting at here. Let's not, let's not go after the things of the... Go after Jesus. Put him on the throne of your heart. And then all of these other created things you can enjoy rightfully. Finding our true, true and lasting joy in the person of Jesus Christ. All to the glory of God. So whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. That, that Christ is the center of our lives. That, that no matter what I'm doing, whether I wake up early in the morning and I go to work, that I would work to the glory of God. No matter what I do for work, that, that I would do it to the best of my ability so that, that God would be glorified when I do it. That when I come home from work and, and I see my wife and I'm exhausted, that I would serve my wife well all to the glory of God so that when she sees me serving and I'm exhausted, that, that it's a picture of Christ. And she knows that I can't do that, but that, that I love Jesus and I, I do it for that he would be glorified. It's really a, a shifting of our paradigm from a Matt-centered life or a me-centered life to a God-centered or Christ-centered life. If Jesus were sitting right here next to me, would I still be doing this? Would I still be watching this? Would I still be dwelling on this in my mind? 
Now, another reason we should not love the world or the things in the world, we find in 1 John verse 17, which we read, it said this, the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. So we have this passing away and then we have forever. The world and the things of this world are passing away. You can write that down, fill that in in your notes. Why do we invest so much of our time, money, energy, and things that are going to burn? Why do I invest so much of my time and energy and money into things that are going to burn? The world and the, the things around us are going to pass away. It's all going to It's all going to burn. We can't take it with us to heaven. We can't buy into the lie the world is selling. And the world's telling you, if you buy this, you're going to have happiness and joy. Every commercial. Oh, if you get this car, you will be completely satisfied and have complete fulfillment. Or if you have this house or this dress or these shoes or this, or that. It just throws it out there all the time. If you just had this, if you want to be happy, you have to have this. I mean, I bought into that lie and paid a huge price one time. God taught me a really, really, really good lesson. I used to drive to work. It was a short drive, but on this drive, there was this motorcycle shop I would drive by this motorcycle shop every day on the way to work. And these guys, these were, they were good salesmen. They would bring these shiny, sporty motorcycles, and they'd park them at just the perfect angle right beside the road. And the sun would hit those shiny chrome pipes to blind you as you're driving by. And they would be out there regularly with these, these beautiful new motorcycles just revving the engines. Man, I don't know about you guys, but man, the sound of a Harley Davidson with screaming eagle pipes, man. Oh, just manly. It's manly. And I'd be driving by and they'd be revving those motorcycle engines. And day after day after day, I would see these motorcycles and they get cooler and cooler as the years went by. And I bought into it, man. I totally, I hook, line, and sinker. I'd drive by and I'd be like, that's the one. That is the one. That I would think that. That's the one. That's the one for me. Now, underneath of that thought was, there's happiness. There's lasting joy and fulfillment right there. That's it. So you know what I did? I stopped in. I went up to that motorcycle, you know, did what guys do. You, you got to go like this. You got to put your arms like this. You got to lean back. You got to, yeah, it's... It's pretty cool. 1,300 cc's of pure manpower right there. Right? <laughs> hey, man, you want to start that bad boy up for me? 
serious. I'm, I'm there, I'm standing there and talking to the salesman. He's telling me all about it. I mean, this thing, I'm telling you, Matt, I'm telling you, this thing, it will get you wherever you want to go. This thing gets 30 miles to the gallon. It's got this, you know, V whatever, and it's, it's got this special intake, and, and it's got the aftermarket pipes on it already. Hold on, let me start off for you. I mean, my hair's flying back, you know, and it's like, wow, I had hair if I had hair, you know, and it was flying back. And, and I'm looking at this thing, and he's like, Matt, you will never, ever want another motorcycle after you ride this. This is the one. It, it rides smooth. You could ride this thing coast to coast and your back would be fine. Now look at that bike over there. No, that's that little $2,000 bike. No, no, that'll kill you, man. That'll kill your back. Your back will be sore. You need this one. You need this one. I stopped. I didn't buy it that day. I went away. But guess what I was thinking for the next 24 hours? Oh, man, I need that motorcycle. Not thinking that me and my wife just had our second child. <laughs> Baby at home. We're living paycheck to paycheck, barely making ends meet. But you know what I was thinking? Shiny motorcycle. And all my friends had motorcycles. Why shouldn't I have one? Look how much joy it brings to their life. Next day, I go and buy that motorcycle. Guess how long it took me to regret buying that motorcycle? About half a second after I signed the, the loan papers and I pull out onto the street heading home thinking, Oh God, what did I do? That was my prayer. What have I done? Oh God, what have I done? That, is a, that was a real thought. It actually may have verbally came out of my mouth. And you know what God, God said? Not audibly or anything, but I know he was saying this. You're about to learn a real hard lesson, son. <laughs> and I'm going to use your wife, Joan now to tell it. <laughs> She's over there going, yes, he did. <laughs> and praise God, we're still married. <laughs> that proves to you the sainthood of my wife. <laughs> no, it was a hard lesson. Oh, Lord, was that a hard lesson. There was no justifying that. I had bought into the lie the world sells us each and every day. Brothers, sisters, don't buy into it. Whether it's a car or a motorcycle or a purse or a, you just put it in there. That's not where you find lasting joy and happiness. Don't love the things of this world. Don't love the world. It's all going to burn. When we buy into the lie the world sells, we end up wanting and empty and hurting and in debt, quite honestly. That's, that's the warning that's coming to us from 1 John. Don't buy into it. Remember, remember, it's all passing away. And remember, those who do God's will abides forever. Whoever does the will of God abides forever. Don't look to the temporary for what only the eternal can give. Don't look to the created. Look to the creator. God doesn't want to take away your joy. He wants to give you true joy, lasting joy. That's what he's after. And here's the funny thing is when we, when we, 
step out and do things we shouldn't do like I did with that motorcycle. I'm just believing a lie. I'm just believing a lie. I'm putting myself in his place. And I'm not trusting what he says. All of my priorities get out of whack. I get all confused. And then I pay a, 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 a dear price, a hard price. Here's the third thing you can write down in your notes today. The third fill-in is this. We are meant for eternity. We are meant for eternity. You see, when, when God enters into our lives, he begins to shift our paradigm from temporal to eternal, from short-sightedness to seeing the big picture. God loves you. God loves you, and he wants what's best for you. And here's the, here's the real reality is he knows what's best for you. And so oftentimes when we make decisions that are wrong, we are actually believing that I know best. I know what's best for me. I know what's best for me. All along the time when I'm looking at the motorcycle every day, there's this little still small voice, you know, banging on the side of my head going, that, that doesn't, that's not the best for you, Matt. In the season of life you're in, that's not the best thing for you. There, you've got responsibilities. There's, there's other things that are better you can invest your, your time and, and your energies and your monies on. There's, there's, that's not the best for you. But I wouldn't believe it. I wouldn't believe the truth. I wanted to believe what I wanted. I didn't think that God wanted what was best for me. This is, this is one of the hardest things in Christianity where the rubber meets the road in our walk with Christ. When his word says something, but we believe in our heart of hearts, something else. There's some really hard things on the pages of this book. Like turn the other cheek. Pray for those who hurt you. Hmm. Love your enemy. What? That goes against everything the world's trained me, brainwashed me in. I'm trained to get even. I'm supposed to look out for number one. Oh, yeah, yeah. And by the way, uh, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Think of others before you think of yourself. Wait, what? What about my self-esteem? Where am I going to end up? So much in here is the exact opposite of what we've been trained in, what we've been brainwashed in. And so that underlying thought is, he, God doesn't want what's best for me. We may not say that out loud, and we may not think that direct thought but it's what lies underneath some of the decisions we make. So let me ask you, do you know that God loves you? Do you really know that you know that you know God loves you? And the answer is yes and no. 
Because the love of God is fully and completely unsearchable and unknowable in its fullness. Because if God actually opened our eyes, opened our hearts to the reality, the depths, the massiveness of his love, we would be completely undone. Completely undone. I would be a puddle in the middle of the stage, unable to talk. If he opened my eyes to the reality of who he is, the reality and the depths of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, I'd be completely a mess. But God in his graciousness and kindness, he just, he just peels it back a little bit at a time. I think of it like this. When we first come to meet Christ, we, we see these three crosses up on a hill in the distance. And in, in a way that only God can do, he reveals in my heart that that, that man on that center cross, he's hanging there for me. And he reveals his love to me and breaks me. He takes a heart of stone and replaces it with a heart of flesh that can respond to his love and his kindness. I was dead in my sin. And he took dead, dry bones and breathed life into them. And I see that cross in a distance. And you know what? Six months later, a year later, three years later, he takes me to that same hill again. And it's not so far off this time. But I, I can see closer. I, I see my Savior hanging there. I can't make out his face. I, I, I can't make out much detail, but I see so much more. I see so much more. And he breaks me again. Grows me closer. You know what? Five years later, ten years later, six years later, two months later, he takes me to that place again. I'm standing right in front of the cross. And I see what they did to him. I see what he endured. And he reveals his love to me even more. Ten years later, I don't even know where I'll be then. Maybe when I'm 80, he takes me to that place again. And I'm right there. I see it. And he breaks me again. You know what? Maybe three years later than that. He's going to take us to that place. And we'll see him face to face. A savior who loves you. There is nothing. Nothing like the love of Jesus Christ. There is nothing like the love of the father that would send his son for you and me. And there is nothing like the love that the Holy Spirit opens our eyes to as we open his word and run to him. Don't think about what we can get away with, how far we can take it. Don't buy into the lie that this world is selling. Trust our creator. He knows what's best for us. So let me ask you again. Do you know that God loves you? Yes and no. Right? That's who God is. Now let's read that text 
Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but it's from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Doesn't it mean so much more when we see God for who he is and his love for us? After hearing about his love for you, do you want to do his will? Knowing that he knows what's best for you, do you, do you want to do his will? Yes. Amen, right? That's how we read that text. That's how we see who God is. And only the Holy Spirit can do what's happening in your heart right now. Only the Holy Spirit does that. Because it takes God in order for us to love God. Only God can open our eyes to that. So let that be our prayer each and every day. God, help me to know what it means when the Bible says that you love me. God, help me to know what it means when it says that, that you know what's best for me. That's what God wants us to do. That's what John's trying to get across to us here today. Amen? Let's bow our heads as we pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And it's amazing. God, it is amazing how as we open your word and look into it, your spirit illuminates these words to mean so much. God, I just pray for everyone here today that we would come to a new, a fresh revelation of your love for us. Because it's amazing. We understand we can't fully grasp it, but God, I pray that you would just reveal a little bit more. God, that we would trust you more, that we would know you more, that we would obey you more. There's nothing like your love. There's nothing like what Christ did on the cross. So come have your way in our lives in the name of Jesus. Everyone said amen. You know, um, if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I would like to challenge you to research, to look into who Jesus is. There is a, there is a reality that there is a creator God who created you and me. And, and in the Bible, in Ephesians 1, it says that before the world began, he knew your name. That he had plans set aside for you to do good things. He knows your name and he loves you. Your, your life might be chaos or you might just be cruising along through life just fine. But I want you to know there is, there is a gap there is a void that can only be filled by our creator. And he wants to be in relationship with you. All that it takes is to put our faith in the work of Jesus Christ. That he lived a sinless life, died a sinner's death, rose again the third day, ascended into heaven, and one day he's coming back for you and me. 
You know, this book says that all of us are sinners. It's a level playing field. Me included, all of us. And he loved us so much that he sent his son, Jesus. He loves you. Put your faith in the work of Jesus Christ. Amen.